Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, please do turn to uh, Luke chapter 18. Uh, We're going to be looking at one of the most quoted sayings of Jesus this morning. Luke chapter 18 from verse 15 to 17. A whole mammoth three verses, guys. Are you ready for this? Okay, I'm going to read it to you as well just to test my reading ability. Here we go. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Those are some unbelievable words. You know, when I read the Gospel of Luke, I really wish there was a way that you could kind of track exactly where Jesus was at any given point. I'd love to be able to put some work into this, but the scriptures don't necessarily help us, but it'd be cool if the kind of coordinates of Jesus, the longitude and latitude, were put in the margins of your Bible, you know, so that you could kind of follow through. Or maybe an interactive map. No one uses the maps at the back of the Bible, but if it was interactive and you could see and you could plot the course of Jesus and it would tell you where he was when particular things happened, I'd like it. Maybe there'd be a nice app. It could be called like the Jesus Stalker app or something like that. The last known coordinates that we get of Jesus are found actually a whole chapter earlier in chapter 17, verse 11, where it says this, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus travelled along the road, along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So we know he's heading south. We know he's heading towards Jerusalem. And that's the key thing. He's headed towards Jerusalem. This is his one-way trip to the holy city. This is his final journey to Jerusalem. A journey from Galilee to Jerusalem should probably take no more than about a week, but with Jesus, it takes forever. Because I imagine it's getting punctuated and interrupted all the time with people wanting to talk to him, people needing healing, people needing teaching. And you imagine the the pace of Jesus is like full-on snail's pace. Pharisees trying to trap him and then there's meals. He's forever being invited to people's homes or inviting himself to people's homes for food. And every time he stops, I imagine he gets mobbed. They kind of queue up, they surround him, they press in on him on all sides. The sick and the dying and people on stretchers. And then there's unclean people standing at a distance shouting in to his, you know, calling him by name, trying to get his attention all the time. There would have been no privacy for Jesus. And I wish they'd given us some details about the practicalities of having to stop for a comfort break. Like, what did that look like? Like, get your mind into it. You've been traveling everywhere. There isn't one moment where people aren't asking something of you. And then how do you just stop for a quick wee or a number two? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how difficult that is? And he is struggling to get any alone time whatsoever. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. And I imagine his disciples almost become like the Jesus security firm. 
I reckon as soon as Jesus stops, like the 12 gather around him like the numbers on a, on a clock and maybe lock arms and try and protect him a little bit. Or if they're not like security, they're like the triage nurses that you find at the hospital. And imagine that like, people are coming to the disciples and saying, yeah, but look, I've only got one arm. And he's like, and they're like, well, not priority today. Jesus is working on, you know, raising the dead. So raising the dead day today, just... You'll have to wait till tomorrow. Or you know that all the time, you know, oh, I've got a bit of a sniffly cough. That'll have to wait. Back off. There's urgent things, more pressing things. Trying to decide who gets to see Jesus. Trying to organise the fast track route for the most extreme cases. And I reckon he, as he sits, you know, at this point, Jesus is stopping. He stopped to teach He's been teaching the Pharisees, and as he teaches, it's a stopping teaching. It's not a walking teaching. He sits as he teaches. But I imagine as he sits down, then the crowd grows. All those kind of slower people that have been tracking behind him all get a chance to catch up. And then rumours spread locally about who's arrived in town and what could happen. And so people begin to come from their homes to surround Jesus. And he's been talking to his disciples, he's been teaching them, and while he's been teaching them, some super hyper religious kind of people have been nosying in. Oh, listen to what he's saying. And they've just begun to judge the people that Jesus is teaching, judge them about what they do and how they do it. And Jesus then turns his teaching to address them. And he's told them this epic parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector pointing him out on the other side of the temple. I fast uh, twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And one of those guys, we're told, leaves the temple right with God, justified in the eyes of the Lord. And it's not the holy man, the guy who does all the tithing, the guy who does the giving. It's the humble sinner, the tax collector. And I reckon it's at this moment, as Jesus lands his parable, as he takes a breath, wondering whether it's uh, now that he stands, rises to his feet and begins to walk on to the next village. I wonder if it's at this point that some really kind of um, passionate parents think it's their moment, their spot, their time to get some time with Jesus. They've been waiting for an opening. They've been waiting patiently. Maybe they feel like he's done the healing thing. He's done the teaching thing and now it's their time. And so with their babies in their arms, with their elbows kind of sticking out and their chin down, they press in through the crowd head first, like barging their way in, trying to get the attention of Jesus. Reaching Jesus, hoping for a moment with him, hoping to kind of offload their baby into the arms of the Savior, hoping that he'll hold the child, hoping that he'll lay his hands upon their head as a sign of blessing to pray over their kid. And so they push on through. And there's no mention that these babies are sick babies. If they were sick babies, he would have said, because Luke's a doctor, right? And he loves the details, he would have said, and there were sick babies there. So they're not sick babies. They're just regular babies. 
But these are doting parents, wanting the prophet, wanting the teacher, wanting the healer, wanting the good man to hold their baby and to place his hands on him. I do the same. But I'm told actually back in the day, in those days, 50% of kids died. One in two, the mortality rate was ridiculously high. And if you could get a rabbi, if you could get a holy man to bless your child, you're hoping it might sort of take away the fears that you might lose a child. It might be that moment that your child gets a blessing and the odds of them living beyond five years old suddenly increases. I'd do the same. I'd have my kids. If I heard that Jesus was in town, I'd be like, kids, one under each arm, let's go, power move, bosh, get through the crowd, get to Jesus, just touch the kid. You know, wouldn't you want a blessing from the great man? I sure would. But the disciples, they see that there's like a rush on of parents. I wonder if like Jesus has been teaching in like a, like a local proximity to like a parent and toddler group and they've all come en masse and the, and the disciples are like, we're not having it. And so they're like, lock, lock arms. They're like, no, no chance. And they begin to rebuke the parents. They tell them off. They redirect them. They correct them. They're saying, this ain't the day. Jesus is not doing babies today. This is not for you. You're barred. No thanks. Not today. Jesus is a little too busy for that. Come back another day with your baby. You can't come with a baby and just expect Jesus to stop and just hold kids. Like, he's got other things to do. He won't be holding your baby today. Sorry, love. Do one. He's got other things to do, like save the world. Not holding your child. Are you joking? wonder what's going through the minds of the disciples we haven't got time for this we've got to keep moving maybe they want Jesus to focus on the big things maybe they're desperate for just a he was teaching us by the way can we go back to that no we haven't got time for your kids I want the powerful miracles this is a little bit below Jesus this is a waste of time Maybe thinking Jesus does many things, but babies, babies is not a thing. Like they're not even sick babies. They've got a whole life ahead of them. They don't need Jesus right now. Maybe they're thinking, you know what, Jesus, if you bless one, you're going to have to bless all the kids. And we're going to be here for like hours upon hours, like a queue of parents with kids. And you're going to have to bless every single one of them. When I was at New Wine, I was hosting a seminar given by Teresa Williams' fiancé, this guy Claude. You need to meet Claude. He's flipping amazing. And uh, he, was, he was doing a seminar, and really he was summarising his story, his journey of faith, and, and, and really where he's been going since then. And it kind of summarised this book he's written called uh, From Guns to God. And it was incredibly powerful, right, as he's kind of, going through everything that's happened in his life and there's some difficult things to hear and some of the things, the decisions that he's made with his life and on all this kind of stuff. And as he finished, he had us think about the baggage in our own lives, the brokenness in our, in our lives and then, and then he asked us to bring it to Jesus. Like in a seminar, you're not then supposed to do like a ministry time but he kind of flows into this ministry time and uh, I'm hosting the seminar, and I'm thinking, what do we do? What do we do? Like, this, people might want to respond and stuff. And I look on the stage, and there's this cross 
Like behind where the worship band would be, this cross in the corner. And in a moment of kind of quick thinking, possible madness, I said, if you want to leave your baggage today, if you want to step away from brokenness, maybe you want to walk up to the cross and lay your baggage there. And maybe I'll send Claude, and Claude will meet you at the cross and he'll bless you. And I'm thinking that he would, you know, just place a hand of blessing on people and be quick, straight past the cross. It didn't quite pan out like that. Because as soon as I said, come and leave your baggage at the cross, like most people, and I'm talking hundreds of people at this point, stood to their feet and began to form a line, right? And so, you know, Claude, who is six foot eight, dressed, because he's, uh, he's an ordained minister, dressed with a dog collar, but he's also wearing like a, um, a stab-proof vest because he wants to make a statement about the knife crime crisis that's happening in the nation. So next to the cross is a big, like chunk of a man six foot eight and people want to leave their baggage at the cross and be blessed to have a moment of blessing and they are just coming and coming at one point I turn around and I see this little old lady kind of hunched at the cross and and then Claude lays his hand on her and I just lost it I just thought it was the most beautiful kingdom thing I'd seen in such a long time I just began to weep as as a Claude just ministered to this lady as she just like poured her heart out and he just blessed her in Jesus name and he's holding her like this big man holding this little lady whose heart is breaking I'm just like so powerful I didn't know what to do I was like oh God you're so good you're so good Lord thank you thank you but then the venue manager comes up to me and he's like what have you done and I'm like, it's beautiful. He's like, you've let people on the stage. Like, you've let them walk past the instruments, all the wiring. Like, no one goes on the stage. And, and I've got this queue of like 100 plus people all waiting for their time. He's like, can you redirect them? Redirect them now to the other side. I'm like, how do I do that? Then he's like, do it now. And I'm like, but they want to meet, they want to meet Claude at the cross. And, um, and he's like, redirect them. This is crazy. You cannot do this. And it's going on and on. And then he's like, and you've got like two minutes until this seminar is over. And I look back and the queue is like nearly like it's right back because Claude isn't just blessing people. He's having ministry time. He's like praying proper prayers, you know, like he's asking them. They're confessing. He's like, you know, it's going on and it's going on. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, 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 I, I like time one of them. And it's like a, mm, two and a half minutes. I'm two and a half minutes times 100 people. I'm doing the maths, you know, I'm doing the maths. We're here till tomorrow, right? With this, and he's like, You got two minutes. I'm like, Please, can we just extend it a little bit? And he's like, We've got a seminar, we've got a seminar coming up. You've got to be out of here. And I'm like, Ah, oh, what are we going to do? And I'm just like, I just said, We can't do anything. We've just got to let this happen. We've got to let, let this moment happen. People are weeping at the cross, and I'm trying to convince people, Would you want to pray with me instead? They're like, I want to go to Claude. <laughs> oh, I'm a moment with Claude at the cross. I'm like, Well, I, I, you know, I love to pray. I'm trying to get other people, and they're like, I don't want to pray with a steward. I want to pray with a guy wearing a stab vest, six foot eight. I want his hand a blessing on me. And that's what's going on here. 
with the parents, they're trying to, they're trying to get to Jesus and they've got venue managers known as the, the, the disciples and they have no chance, not a clue. It's not going to happen. We've got to stop this. No babies. But Jesus jumps in. Jesus jumps in. And as the disciples are getting all protective, Jesus responds. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. Bring the kids in. Let them come. Don't stop them. Make a way. Make it easy. Come on. And you can imagine, as I read this, I just had this moment, this picture of Jesus the Christ surrounded by people just saying, I, just, I could just see the heart of Christ saying, come, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Come on. Come on, bring in the kids. I just loved it as I read it. I was like, Jesus, you're so good. Don't stop them. Why? Why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Let's just look what that means. By the way, when you read this, when you've done this in church, you'll have probably heard your pastor say, so just bring the kids. Just make sure, we've got to make sure we have a service where kids are welcome. This isn't what the passage says. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't say, let the children come to me because I just love kids. He's not American either, but of course Jesus loves kids. But this is not this moment. He's talking about the upside down kingdom. He's using this moment to teach about the kingdom of God, not about children. Notice too that he doesn't say, let the, kingdom, let the cho- little children come to me for the kingdom of God belongs to them. He's not saying that little children get the kingdom. I believe if little children die, they go to heaven. I do believe that. But this is not what it's saying either. Jesus says, let the little ones come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Such as these. People like them. People who are as these babies are. The kingdom of God belongs to the childlike. That's good news for people like me who've got the maturity of a child. Remember, Jesus has just told a parable. And Jesus is now holding a baby and his teaching continues. In his hands is a beautiful bundle of DNA, but is also a beautiful object lesson. He just told us about a Pharisee who thinks he's winning at life, who's confident in his own righteousness, looking down upon the weak, convinced that his holiness is good enough and he compares himself to sinners saying thank God I'm not like any of those he reminds God that he's a God he's a boy that fasts and likes to tithe he's sorted winning at faith winning at religion smashing it he needs to make no sacrifice he needs no salvation he needs no God no need of mercy no need of grace he's taking care of it all he's living perfectly And yet, he misses the point. He misses out on being made right because 
because it's not the self-righteous, but it's the broken, the sinful tax collector, covered in shame, there at the back, beating on his chest, beating himself up, the one who is desperate, the one who is crying out, crying in the presence of the Lord for the mercy of his God. It's him who receives justification, him who is made right before the Lord. Now Jesus lifting a baby into the sky. Imagine the 1994 animation, The Lion King. Rafiki the baboon, Simba the lion. Imagine Jesus with the baby and he says, the kingdom, my kingdom, the upside down kingdom belongs to the childlike helpless like a baby, unable to get themselves there, dependent like a baby. Babies are the weak. Babies are the powerless. Babies are those who can't walk themselves or crawl themselves into the kingdom. Babies can do virtually nothing. The word here for child, little child, is baby in arms. It's like brand new, fresh as, still that funny smell on the head. It's those babies. They can barely smile. They can't earn their way in. They are vulnerable and fragile. They are simple. They have little understanding, virtually no knowledge. They have no wealth. They have no achievements. They have literally nothing to show for themselves. Jesus says, be like them because the kingdom of heaven is for people like them. The kingdom belongs to such as these. What a kingdom. Do you see what he's teaching us about the kingdom of God? Once again, Jesus says, my kingdom, the kingdom of God, the upside down kingdom is not for the sorted and the strong, not for the wealthy and the wadded, not for the successful, the self-sufficient and the self-righteous, not for the powerful and the proud, but for the weak, the weakest, the least of these. Do you remember this is Jesus who said the weakest of these? The weakest of these, the defenseless and the dependent, the helpless and the humble, the fragile and the feeble, the powerless and the vulnerable, this is the upside down kingdom because it completely contradicts all the world would say it's a kind of kingdom they want to be a part. How you earn your way to a kingdom where it's all about wealth, all about achievement, all about what I've done, it says none of that counts. Jesus says, Let the nobodies and the nothings come to me. Let the weak, let the vulnerable, let the dependent come to me. He welcomes the childlike. The kingdom is to be received. See how it says it belongs to these, but it has to be received. You guys, we, me included, we have to receive that kingdom. It's got to be a kingdom that we want to be a part of. Because it contradicts the the kingdoms of this world, the power structures of this world. Do you really want a kingdom where you have to have nothing and be a nobody? Do you want to be a part of that? You have to be willing to receive. Receive like a child. Do you want to receive a kingdom that just doesn't appeal in the same way that the world's kingdoms would? To receive this kingdom, you've got to grow smaller. Benjamin Button style. Become like a child. You've got to strip off success. All the world considers success, you've got to put to bed. 
Let go of your Christian CV, our status in the church or our status in the message. Lay down that stuff that makes us feel like we deserve the favor of God. What have you done? What have you achieved? Lay it all down. I once had a conversation with someone who told me they fasted and they tithed and they'd sacrificed loads and they'd moved on to an Eden team and they felt like it was time that God turned up and he owed them something for all they'd done. We've got to strip off our works, lay down our good deeds. We must give up the rituals and routines that convince us that we've got holiness sorted. Come into prayers on a morning, going to prayers in the afternoon on a Tuesday, regularly attending church in a community group gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere near heaven. It's all got to be laid down for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Our own strength and our own ability will not save us. Throw it all to the feet of Jesus. He is the only way to the Father. And I sometimes worry about us. I sometimes worry about the church. All that we try and retain hold of by while saying there's only one way to God. You know, we're not looking at other avenues that might take us around the mountain and up, up into the presence of God. But the problem is we're trying to find our own way, justifying our own behavior and our own righteousness. That means we feel we're free to climb. We've got to lay it all down. It's only by Christ. Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. Come dependent. Come desperate. You know what, if you feel weak today, if you feel helpless today, if you feel at the end of yourself today, know this, you're closer to the kingdom than you might have thought. You feel like you can't do it. You feel like your sin sometimes is too much for you. You feel like life is too heavy. Come to Christ. Hear his words to you today. Come. Come, little children. Come. Come and be with me. The kingdom of God belongs to you. Philippians 3 says, but whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I consider to be worth something important, valuable, of value to me, and maybe I held dear that I might be able to present it before Jesus, I count it all as loss. What? For the sake of knowing Christ. He welcomes you. He says, come, come be with me. Receive the welcome of Christ. When Christ speaks to the children and says, come, come on. They need to hear his voice and follow his command and receive his welcome. They don't come with anything, but with obedience to the call of his voice. I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Paul got it. He knew that just knowing God was all he wanted. Just knowing God. Not knowing anything else. Not knowing success. Not knowing wealth. Not knowing prosperity. Not knowing power. Just knowing God was enough. Will it be enough for us? Let's pray. Lord, we wait on you now. And uh, I pray that you'd open our ears this morning, that we might be able to hear your voice to us. Lord, I pray that we'd hear you welcoming us and calling us in to come and be with you, to come and know you. 
Please, Lord, let's hear your voice today. Above the, the noise, the chatter of the world. Amidst the systems of power that exist around us. Help us hear your voice, Lord, calling us. Help us, God, to understand the values of your kingdom. Help us, God, to desire to be those who are childlike, who fit in, and therefore probably don't fit into this world. Help us to lay things down today. The things that we count as dear, the things that we hold as valuable. Help us to consider them nothing, rubbish, compared to knowing you, God. Work on our hearts, Lord, we pray. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.